This is Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. The latest installment in the almost 35-year-old Predator film franchise is out today on Hulu. Prey is a prequel of sorts. It takes place 300 years ago, and we get to see Comanche ancestors battle a highly advanced alien hunter. This time, the cast is nearly all native. We'll hear from some of the leads and get more insights into the film right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A celebratory event turned terrifying for parade goers at the Gallup Intertribal Ceremonial on Thursday night in New Mexico. A vehicle drove through the night parade in downtown Gallup, causing people to rush to find safety. Videos posted across social media show people watching traditional dances moments before a SUV plowed down the street. Navajo Nation President Jonathan Nez was walking in the parade. In a live video message after the incident, Nez says they were in direct path of the vehicle, but were able to quickly get out of the way. Nez says his family, team members, and others who were with him were not physically hurt. You know, this is just evil creeping into our communities. You know, we're all shooking up, and it just... I was uh, feet away from this vehicle uh, as it drove through the uh, streets. And I'm sure uh, a lot of people are angry. A lot of emotions happening right now. I'm angry. Um, But we also have to, you know, pray and think about our relatives. Nez urged people to check on family and friends attending the parade and for those who need support to call the 988 Resource Helpline or the Navajo Mental Health Department. According to New Mexico State Police, the driver is in custody. Multiple people were injured, including two police officers. Police are continuing to investigate the incident. The night parade is a fan favorite of the annual ceremonial, which attracts locals and international guests to the reservation border town. Native American NASA astronaut Nicole Mann is part of the crew preparing to launch a U.S. commercial spacecraft to the International Space Station by the end of September. This will be Mann's first space flight since becoming an astronaut in 2013. Mann is a SpaceX Crew-5 spacecraft commander. So I will fly uh, myself and three other crewmates. We will launch from Kennedy Space Center in a Dragon spacecraft, which is built by SpaceX. And we will take a day or so to get to the International Space Station, and we'll stay on board for about six months to execute our mission. Our spacecraft will stay attached that entire time. Then at the end of the mission, we'll come back home and we'll splash down off the coast of Florida. The team will conduct more than 200 scientific experiments during the mission. Some of those are technology demonstration to help us in further human exploration. A lot of them are scientific investigations and research to benefit humans back on Earth, though. 
So because the space station is in microgravity, there's a lot of things that we can do that you simply can't do on Earth. Man, Round Valley Indian Tribes is proud to represent Native people. I think your, your background and your heritage is an important part of who you are and your family and the community that brought you up. And so I think it's important also then to share with our communities what the amazing things that all of our, the people uh, that you know that we grew up with are are executing and what they're doing, and so hopefully there's some young native kids that are looking and see what amazing things, what amazing opportunities that they have in front of them. And I mean, a lot of those barriers that used to exist are really being broken down. Man will be responsible for all phases of the flight from launch to reentry. The public can follow the SpaceX Crew Five mission at NASA.gov. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by StrongHearts Native Helpline, providing no-charge confidential support and resources to Native Americans affected by domestic and sexual violence 24-7 at 1-844-7-NATIVE or strongheartshelpline.org. Support by the Colorado Plateau Foundation. Supporting Native-led initiatives protecting lands, waters, and cultures by building networks, community, and organizational capacity. Proposals accepted through September 1st at coloradoplateaufoundation.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Was that an alien predator or a woodpecker? This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. It's hard to miss all the hype around the new movie Prey that is out on Hulu today. It's a prequel to the original Predator movie that came out in 1987 with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's set 300 years in the past in Comanche territory, where a young female warrior battles a technically advanced alien to keep her tribe safe. Directors of Prey worked with the Comanche tribe to offer the film in the Comanche language as well as English. If you already watched the film, what'd you think? Can you imagine your native ancestors taking on space aliens? Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. First up today is Saray Taishikai. She's joining us from Lawton, Oklahoma, where she is the public relations officer for the Comanche Nation of Oklahoma, and she's Comanche. Saray, great to have you on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, I understand you've already seen Prey. What'd you think? Oh, yeah. I've watched it in English and as well as Comanche. And I feel like every time I watch it, it's like watching it for the for the first time. The the action and it's, it's a great movie. And they portray Comanche Nation tribal members well. It's amazing. Well, I want to ask you about that. Tell us more about the Comanche Nation's role in the film, and, and how were you folks involved in story development and the aesthetics? Yeah, so um, I spoke with the producer, Jane Myers, who is also uh, enrolled Comanche, and she told me from the beginning she wanted to involve, you know, Native Americans and Comanche tribal members 
Um, and so it's down to the, to the wardrobe and the makeup and even the end credits, you know, the tribal members all had something to do with that. And, uh, even a few months ago, they had came down and had, um, a few tribal members actually watch a little bit of the movie, um, to kind of get their feedback because they wanted to make this movie as authentic as it could be, um, when, in terms of Comanche nation. And so, they were able to do that and, you know, they did their feedback and they kind of told them like, this needs to be done and this needs to be done. And I actually spoke with one of our IT guys uh, just a little bit earlier. who said that there was a certain part of the movie where the chief didn't feel authentic. And so he kind of gave that feedback to them and Dan was like, yeah, we'll take it. And they ran with it. And I think it, you know, made it even, you made it better. Um, so yeah, uh, and then on Sunday, of course, this past Sunday, we actually had a screening for Comanche tribal members. They had the option to to watch it in Comanche or or English, and and that was great. It was great. It was a good turnout for sure. That's wonderful. And you mentioned Dan, as in Dan Trachtenberg, the director of the film, right? <laughs> the director, yes. <laughs> Well, sorry, let's go ahead and um, and listen to some clips and uh, some interviews, actually, that we were able to do uh, last month after I got to see a screener as well of the film. Uh, I talked with actor Amber Midthunder, and here's what she had to say about using acting to change Native narratives. If there's any moment ever that I can use it to help my people, that to me is what means the most. So obviously I'm not like curing cancer or like making laws but you know like my dad which by the way who loves Native America calling he's so he literally listens to Native America calling like every single day um my mom has been on Native America calling for every time he gets so excited like he just I, I don't know he loves it so I'm very excited about this um he, my parents were just out of the country and they were in an Asian country and my mom is Asian so they were like okay yeah, wait, you make sense and they would look at my dad and be like what is going on well, what are you and he would say and they would get so excited and they'll be like oh my god oh my god you say how you throw tomahawk <laughs> and he was like we're Lakota so he was like actually I do say how but that's not the point they only know what came from movies and the like that happens to be like really racist stereotypes but like that's all that they know so to be able to like do a movie and then show people and represent natives and native women specifically as like fully fleshed people is important and then also to like to the world, but also then to like actual, just like native women. There's something so powerful about being able to see somebody that you can identify with and feel like that person gives you like permission to have strength or agency over your life or whatever that is. So I feel like, you know, if there's any kind of meaning that can be taken from any part of this job, I hope to find it. We just had to get that plug in there for NAC. Sorry, Amber Midthunder, she was at the screening last weekend, right? Yeah, she was. Um, she actually came, she, her, uh, Dakota Beavers, her co-star, and Jane Myers was there. And uh, before the movie started, they were, they actually were in the studio or the auditorium that I was in. And so I got to speak with Amber a little bit um, before the film started. And she was just telling me how excited she was. And of course, I told her how excited I was to be watching this again. And it was good to talk to her again because I actually spoke with her uh, about a month ago too and did an interview with her and 
And it, I mean, it's just great to, to see her on that big screen being a female Comanche warrior. It's, it's awesome. She's really cool, really down to earth for sure. Now, Dan Trachtenberg is the director of Prey, and I asked him about distancing this film from Hollywood views and stereotypes of Native people. I haven't really mentioned this yet, but there's a very specific shot that is in the beginning of the movie that is trying to interact with um, the way that Native Americans have been portrayed, specifically Comanches have been portrayed in media, which is when she first steps out of her teepee, there's a shot that pushes past the framing of the of the opening um, with her sitting outside. And it's a direct callback to The Searchers, which is a massively influential movie on cinema inspired Star Wars. It's a John Wayne movie. It's classic. And it's got a pretty rotten portrayal of Comanche uh, in it. But it and there's a very specific shot in the movie that is John Wayne walking towards the door as we push past the door frame. Um, and it's been cited in lots of movies visually um, since then. And I wanted to make sure that our movie had a reflection of that shot. Well, so Ray, do you appreciate all that effort that, that Dan and the other folks working on the film went to make this film accurate with regard to the Comanche culture? Oh, definitely. I think I could speak for the nation when I say that they they put everything into this film. I mean, even down to the, the whistling at night at the end that, you know, I mean, we've been told that since we were little, do not whistle at night because you don't know what you're going to be calling in. I mean, it's amazing to the detail that they put and how much heart that they put into this film. Can you think of a time when there was ever a major release of a film in the Comanche language? No, this, I mean, as I've, as I've been told many times that this is the first, we're making history. This is the first time that a film has ever been released with the option to watch it in Comanche from start to end. I mean, that's never happened before. And what makes it even more special is that they, they wanted to go back and um, record the Comanche language in their own voice. And so it fits well. And when I watched it in Comanche, I mean, it looks, you know, pretty great. It's not like one of those old movies where they speak and then their mouth moves. Like it, it's great. <laughs> I'm envisioning like those old Godzilla movies where the mouth yeah, is going exactly. a mile a minute. Like the, <laughs> yeah, that movie. <laughs> So, um, in the Comanche language and, and the actors, cause they're, they're, I mean, some of them I think are Comanche, but not all of them. And, and how do you think they did the folks that aren't actually Comanche that were speaking Comanche? Oh, I think they did great. I mean, me personally, I don't speak it fluently, but as I was watching it in Comanche, I could see and understand. And those, some of those words I recognized, I mean, they got it down from, you know, my point of view from the cadence and the, the way that they put emphasis on certain things, um, they killed it. It was great. And language revitalization, is that a priority there at the Comanche Nation? And if so, how does this film support that? Oh, definitely. I mean, we have a Comanche language department ran by Dr. Kate Puanapakit Briner, and she, I mean, she is preserving that culture and that language. And so being able to see this and have... Um, everyone from all ages be able to watch this, I feel like it's going to make them want to learn their language because not all, not all of the, our tribal members do. And without our language, we are no longer people. So I feel like this is, I mean, this is a huge step 
We're going to talk I more. Uh -huh. And we're going to talk more with Dr. Kate later in the show about her efforts and in, in, in working with the language to incorporate that into the film. And I want to also ask you, straight: did the film offer employment opportunities for Comanche citizens beyond just acting? I do know, yes. Um, I know that Jane reached out to some tribal members, um, and they helped when it came to getting down the, the wardrobe and the makeup designs. Um, I do know that even down to the end credits where the film is rolling at the end, there's, um, it kind of tells the story of the entire film that you just watched. I mean, and that was, a, you know, a tribal member and they, they incorporated, yeah, they definitely got uh, Native Americans involved with this movie throughout every aspect that you can think of. Let's talk about the audience for Prey. What do you most want people to take away from this film with regard to, to your Comanche people and their culture? I think that to take away from what to take away from this film is that we aren't the underdogs, you know? And I feel like whenever I spoke with the director, Dan, he really, that was, you know, one of the pushes that he didn't, he wanted us to be the heroes. Um, and I think that when you walk out of the out of the movie theater or Hulu, cause it's on Hulu. If you, you know, once you finish it, that, you know, we are powerful people and um, culture is a huge thing. And seeing that throughout the movie, um, it's great. I just, I want people to understand that Comanche nation, you know, we're more than just, just the sidekick. We're speaking with Saray Taishikai. She's the public relations officer for the Comanche Nation of Oklahoma, and she's telling us all about this new movie coming out on Hula Day. Pray it's the latest installment in the Predator series. If you've got a question for any of our guests today or you just want to talk about the film, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. You can also reach out on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle, 180099-NATIVE. Tennis is great exercise and an enjoyable way to compete for a growing number of Native Americans. For over 45 years, the North American Indian Tennis Association has worked to expand the sport among amateur Native athletes. They just wrapped up their annual championship tournament in Oklahoma City, and we'll talk with Native tennis players about their passion for the game. That's on the next Native America Calling. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org. We're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about the new film, Prey. It's a Predator franchise prequel that takes place 300 years ago in Comanche lands. It's a sci-fi action film filled with Native stories, heroes, and actors. If you already watched it or you're planning to, give us a call. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. These movie shows are always so much fun. And let's learn more now about how the Comanche language is spoken in the film. Dr. Kate Piwinofget Briner is on the line in Lawton, Oklahoma. She's the Director of Language Planning and Development for the Comanche Nation of Oklahoma, and she is a descendant of the Kiowa, Comanche, and Apache tribes. Thanks for taking the time to join us, Dr. Kate. It's good to be here. 
Now, you were a Comanche language consultant on Prey. What did that work entail? <laughs> so uh, we actually went back in. Um, the original film had some Comanche in it, and we went back in and um, advised on the Comanche that was uh, in the film already. And then uh, we adapted the uh, film into Comanche for the Comanche dub, and that also included uh, you know, recording guide tracks. Uh, so I recorded the female guide tracks for the actors, and uh, my partner, Guy Narcomi, uh, recorded the male guide tracks uh, for the actors to listen to when they went in to do their dubs. That sounds like a really uh, labor-intensive job. Did, did some things translate differently to Comanche than with the English version? Very. Um, there's a couple different things where, you know, it's not how we would say it in Comanche, or it was like more modern in a sense, like bring it home or kind of like as a an expression. So we have different ways we would say that in Comanche. So we worked very hard to make sure that we had uh, culturally appropriate phrases in the film, as well as interjections, you know, that everybody's going to recognize and love when they hear it. Um, and then also if we were constrained by what the actors already had on the screen. Uh, so it may not be the way we wanted to say something or the way that we'd say it in everyday normal conversation because we had to match, especially if an actor was uh, on the screen, we had to match what their mouth was doing. Dr. Kate, how many fluent Comanche speakers are there? Oh, gosh, that's a hard question. Um, and that's a, it's one of those questions that we struggle with in a lot of Indian communities. Um, because what do we actually mean by fluent? <laughs> right. Um, so when I have to, when it, yeah, when I have to talk about numbers, um, we did a count about, gosh, it was probably five years ago now at the Comanche National Museum and Cultural Center for an exhibit. And at that time, uh, we had, uh, surveyed people and said that they were, there were 11 fluent, uh, what, and by, what we mean by that is a first language speaker. Um, so they would have probably learned English when they went to kindergarten. And today that number is probably down to, um, it's either five or six because we lost a bunch of people during the pandemic. Oh, geez. That's horrible. Well, it's just, it's such an interesting movie and I had so much fun watching it. And the command now it's available on Hulu and I believe outside the U.S. on Disney Plus. Now, is the Comanche version language is that available to stream as well as English? It is. It's available on both platforms and on Hulu. You'll see right underneath the film, it'll just say Comanche dub, and you that's where you go to choose it. Um, on Disney Plus outside the states, you're going to want to go into the extras feature to find the Comanche dub. All right. We'll take note of that. Let's uh, go to another one of the, the cast interviews. I spoke with actor Dakota Beavers, who plays Tabe in the film, about getting cast and speaking the Comanche language. It was just kind of the, the stars aligning. Um, I, I sent an email for an open casting call, and it was just for some movie. And I was like, you know what, I'll just send in the thing and see what happens. Anyway, uh, anyway, that movie got canceled because of COVID. And I didn't hear back for, you know, a year about anything. And then they sent me an email and said, hey, we want you to audition for a small part in this show. And I was like, dang, okay. And it turned out to be this, long story short. And I don't know why they hired me, but I'm sure happy to be here. Originally, they were going to shoot it in Comanche. So um, when me and Amber auditioned uh, or did the chemistry read, 
we did it on English version and then also on Comanche. That was really fun. I enjoyed sitting with Guy. He's one of the good Comanche translators and just learning about sentence structure and like uh, certain pronunciations, like the, the V is kind of a Spanish V almost like a, like a vaquero or like, a, you know, so it's like tabre, um, kind of a BV kind of thing. I'm a nerd about all that stuff about language, so I enjoyed the heck out of it. Dakota Beavers calling himself a language nerd. Dr. Cade, how do you, how do you think he did with the language there? Oh, I think he did a stellar job. We would say Tsaku Un. He did a good job. <laughs> now he's also a musician, I learned, and he's actually gonna be in New Mexico in a couple of weeks for Indian Market. He's gonna be playing some gigs uh, in Santa Fe. <laughs> That's fantastic. And that, you know, that really explains his ear for language because he did sound, um, he, he got that cadence down really well. Now, did you spend a lot of time on the set while filming was going on? Did not because it was during the pandemic. Um, for the original film, they were actually in Canada and Alberta for six months and actually couldn't come home. Um, for the dub, they um, they brought the entire dubbing team to Oklahoma City for us to do the adaptation um, because uh, they wanted to do it in L.A. and I was actually under orders not to fly at that time. So they brought everybody to Oklahoma City, rented a studio so that uh, Guy and I could get together and adapt that uh, script. So we did that over a three-day period in Oklahoma City and recorded those guide tracks. Um, and then over the next few weeks, we did the uh, recording with the actors. And um, Guy was there in person for part of that. And I zoomed in while I was on uh, travel for language work uh, institute called Colang, where it's two weeks of training for language workers and, um, and was able to, to give feedback that way. Now, were any films or excuse me, any scenes filmed in Oklahoma? Uh, I don't believe so. Cause the majority of filming was in Alberta because they wanted that, like that real Northern Plains look for the, ah. for the time. Okay. Well, I know a lot of, you know, it just, it was such a, such a surreal experience watching the movie and the whole alien thing. And I remember growing up watching the predator movies and, you know, they were big, big hits and Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course. And, do you think this movie fits well into the overall narrative of the whole Predator series? I do. I really do think that it does. And, it, you know, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but it really does. It gives a whole lot of nods back to uh, number one and number two, right? Um, I know that Dan talked about that, the, the one Native guy in the, the film in with Arnold, um, Billy, that's his name. All of a sudden I couldn't think of it. And um, I think that it plays very well, and I think it's very respectful to the legacy of Predator. And then um, it's just it's just a fantastic story, too. And well, Prey Director... I'm sorry, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Dr. I was going to say, we actually, in the last year, had done a, a meme for... Because uh, I like to use pop cultural things for people and learning language because it's something they can instantly relate to. And we actually have one of, of Arnold... Uh, the person impersonating Arnold going, get to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> now, has Arnold, has anybody heard, has he commented on this new film or is he involved in any way in this recent project? 
Not that I know of, but I'm definitely going to go check Twitter and maybe I'll, you know, I'll tag him in a couple of things and say, hey, <laughs> hey, there you Arnie, go. what do you think? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's get him involved. So Prey Director Dan Trachtenberg worked closely with Jane Myers from the Comanche and Blackfeet Nations, and she's a producer for Prey and spoke with me about working to get the Native representation right. It was a dream come true because, you know, usually when you're a native producer, people reach out to you and they're like, they have a period project and it's a, about a different tribe or a different whatever. And you're just like, oh, okay, here I go again. Right. But in order for me to, to do this and it was Predator because I'm a big fan of action adventure. I grew up on, on the Predator and it was just so important for me. And for me to be able to uh, infuse like the correct culture of my people, because when we as native people, and you know, when you watch shows that have native content, you know, like hardly anything is right, right? Like nothing's correct. You have people speaking different things or wearing different outfits or whatever. So uh, being a traditional artist as well, and being able to create this, these items, it was real important for me to make sure that I just kind of, you know, put my little touch everywhere that I could, you know, all the way down to language. And when you watch this, you can actually pick Comanche and watch the full movie in Comanche. And for my people, that's amazing. We've never had that on a brand new movie. And what was really most important for me is I didn't want to see something look like a Godzilla movie, right? <laughs> you know, the people are running and they're speaking English, but you can tell they're not really speaking English, right? So, but we even had to kind of alter our language a little bit to kind of like think back, you know, for period, our big monster, right, is the seven foot tall monster with little eyes and that comes out at night. I mean, it's like when you describe it, it is the predator. And so uh, our word for it is Pia Muppets. And we did a pre-screening, you know, while we were still in post just to kind of show it to some people at the Comanche Nation to, you know, get some feedback. And one of the things is one of my childhood friends called me afterwards and he's like, oh my God, I was just blown away to sit there and hear her say, you know, when she's describing it and she's saying, Pia Muppets. And he said, we never hear that. We never hear our accurate language or something that's from our culture in a film. So for me, that just, you know, really makes it because, you know, rarely as a creative, you get to come in and be able to infuse, you know, so much correct representation into every part of the film. All three full interviews with Amber McThunder, Dakota Beavers, and the Jane Myers, Dan Trachtenberg interview are now available on the NEC Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn pages, and the Native Voice One YouTube page. I want to ask Saray, Saray, um, another question that I asked uh, Jane Myers, who again is the producer on Prey, I, I wanted to know about the significance of aliens and extraterrestrial beings to the Comanche, because many tribes include those narratives and legends and stories. And, and Saray, does the alien component, does that intersect in a meaningful way with Comanche culture? Me personally, um, I haven't heard of a, of a, a story uh, that portrays an alien. A lot of the time it's Muppets. And so when I hear that word, I, you know, it could mean so many different things. Um, but I don't know. I feel like maybe Dr. Kate might have a better uh, look on that when it comes to, to the stories, because I'm not too too well sure. in depth with those. Dr. Kate, what are your thoughts on that? So we have very, very cool stories about Piemupids, about Nunapis. Um, I have heard a story by an elder, uh, John Alex Clark, who has since passed on, and he portrays Nunapis as um, kind of extraterrestrials. 
um, and aliens. So I think that we in the past, you know, and then talking about these stories, we would have interpreted an alien just like in the movie where we associate it with something that we already know, like a Nunapi, which is our little people, uh, or being Lupitz. Dr. Kate, were there female warriors historically in Comanche culture? There absolutely were. <laughs> um, there was a lot of chatter when it first broke about skulls a few years ago about, um, you know, defying gender norms. Um, and we were like, wait, no, Comanche women were just very, very, uh, we, even though we have gender norms, it wasn't that type of gender norm. Like we had women who were warriors. Who do you think protected the camp when the men were away? Uh, there's a story of a woman who led a training camp for, for male warriors in Texas, in San Saba, uh, in Santa Ana. Um, so women were always empowered to take on these roles if they felt the need to do so. That's really, really fascinating. And overall, Dr. Hayes, this just sounds like a really positive experience for the Comanche Nation. And I want to ask you, what advice can you offer to other tribes when Hollywood comes calling to showcase their language and culture on the big screen? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was definitely a positive experience. Um, I would say that to other tribes, I would say this is a model experience of how Hollywood should interact with nations, uh, with Native nations. It should be a true partnership and to always, you know, stand your ground and, and tell them, which I had to do several times, is say, you understand that our language and our cultural is a, culture is a tribal cultural property. <laughs> um, and we're the ones who have the, um, the authority to say that. Um, so, you know, it's important to stand your ground on that. And Hollywood moves really, really fast. And in a lot of our nations, things don't move fast like that. So... Uh, you have to find a way to compromise um, in order to get something done with Hollywood. Mm, yeah, that's good advice for sure. Understanding that, working, and and definitely, I guess, having those those priorities and understanding what you want to get out of the film. And 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 in in terms of the Comanche Nation, what do you think is the biggest benefit now to the Comanche Nation now that this movie's been made? Oh gosh, I would say that it is listening being able to hear our language and see it as a living, breathing language and inspiring people to want to learn about the language. Cause we've had a great surge of people wanting to know our language as we've been developing resources over the past year. I think the, the movie is just the, the icing on the top at this point. Um, we've already had people call. I told my staff to prepare themselves because um, we've already had people calling about classes, wanting to know more about language. Um, so I think that that is the, the biggest positive uh, outcome from this movie other than representation is just, you know, our language is here, we're using it, and um, you can see, you can see, um, you can see that in the film. Now, the Comanche language, do you folks teach that um, only there in Oklahoma, or is it available online? What, what kind of curriculum do you have? Sure. Uh, we actually, uh, we were just implemented as, an, as a program in 2019, and then, of course, the pandemic hit. Um, so we had switched to uh, online classes very, very quickly um, after that March, gosh, 2020. Um, so we do offer Zoom classes. We have a wait list for those classes because we keep them small enough so that people are actually using the language and not learning about the language. Um, 
And so we still offer those Zoom classes. We are about to um, offer a software that's similar to Rosetta Stone or Mango, if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's called Transparent Language Online. Um, and it, you can actually see the sound wave of the speaker, record yourself, compare the sound waves, change something in your mouth, try again. Um, and that to me is, is very, very valuable because we have a lot of trauma in our communities about speaking our languages and getting uh, lateral violence, uh, saying you don't say that right. So being able to do that in the privacy of your own home and practice um, and having access to that native speaker on the recording when you don't have access to an actual um, actual speaker is priceless. Uh, so we'll be doing that. We have uh, Comanche Academy, which is a charter, a public charter school that is authorized by the Comanche Nation, where we have pre-K through second grade this year. It's their second year, and our kiddos are just soaking up the language and culture. They say the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> in Comanche. Uh, they, you know, they learn flag song. They do all kinds of amazing things. So um, we're going to be trying to get more resources. We have an online dictionary coming out. Uh, all Dr. Kinds Kate, of things, so. I'm sorry we're going to have to go to break, but I'm going to let you share those resources when we come back. Folks, give us a call. We're talking about the movie Prey, and we've got folks from the Comanche Nation giving us the lowdown. Be right back after the break. The Indian Arts and Crafts Act protects authentic American Indian and Alaska Native artists and craftspeople and their art and craftwork. Under the act, it is illegal to market art or craftwork misrepresented as American Indian, Indian, Native American, or Alaska Native made, or as the product of a particular Indian tribe. Reporting potential act violations can be done at doi.gov IACB or at one art fake Support provided by Indian Arts and Crafts Board. Welcome back to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The latest Predator movie is titled Prey. It's sci-fi with a native spin, and there's still time to join our conversation. We're at 1-800-996-2848. Let's get some calls going. I really want to hear from someone who is Comanche and hear their take on a movie dubbed in their native language. Comanche brothers and sisters out there, I'm talking to you. Give us a call. 1-800-996-2848. Once again, that's 1-800-996-2848. We're speaking with Dr. Kate Piwinovkit Briner. She was a language consultant on the movie Prey. And Dr. Kate, you were sharing some resources before we had that quick break there. Can you uh, finish finish those resources you were sharing, please? Sure. Uh, I think that was mostly it. We have a, a online database and dictionary um, and an app that's called ILDA, I-L-D-A, uh, Indigenous Language Database archive. And um, with that, that's actually created by the Miami tribe. Um, and they are generous enough to share it with other tribes for free. Uh, and it will have sound for all those entries. Um, and so anybody who wants to learn about what we're doing, they can go to talkcomanche.org um, or on to uh, Facebook or Instagram and look up Comanche Nation Language Department. Thanks for sharing all those interesting resources, Dr. Kate. We've got one more guest on our show now, and he's a voice that many of you will recognize, Dr. Lee Francis IV. He's the CEO and founder of Native Realities and host, producer, and writer of Indigenius, and he's a member of the Laguna Pueblo. Lee, great to hear your voice on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This is so wonderful and to be on about the show and all these folks that I know that have been doing awesome work. Yeah, absolutely. Have you had a chance to see Prey yet? 
I'm going to be honest, I have not. It's my Saturday morning cartoon. So tomorrow morning, I've got the whole morning clear, and that's what I'm going to be doing. But I've been following everything, and we've been writing about it for A Tribe Called Geek. And Johnny J has been doing some amazing work over there with some previews and talking with Amber Midthunder. So I am just beyond stoked um, in all the clips and everything that I've seen about it. Now, Lee, you are a, a certified, bona fide comic book indigenous nerd. And the Predator franchise, I mean, it's kind of a comic book character. Did you ever anticipate an intersection between Predator and Native characters? Well, absolutely. Because I And one of the things that I really love about how Prey developed is the fact that if you go back to the original Predator movie, that was one of my absolute favorites of all time because it had Billy Soul. And I've talked about this a lot with folks because I was just like, here was a Native character who wasn't native right with the capital n you know big big bold letters he was just like he was part of a multicultural cast but there's a moment where he talks about this the predator coming down and you know and that his people uh, had already dealt with this years ago through traditional stories so when i talk about it i was like what's cool about that original predator character native character with billy soul is like you know he already he knew uh, through traditional stories, through heritage stories of the Predator, it was able to kind of help. He tried to help save everybody. He went a little crazy, but he tried to help save his, his team. He was a great team player. He didn't, like, he didn't abandon any of his team members and just like run off in terror or shame. And he was the last dude standing next to Arnold, right? And he got the warrior's death, too, because if we know about Predator lore – like, you know, the Predator, like, pulls out the skull and the, you know, and the spine and is like, oh, like the end of the movie. But that's the <laughs> warrior's death that the Predator gives to another warrior. Like, if you match me in battle, then, then like, this is, this is the, the ultimate, you know, this is like my ultimate uh, uh, as a Predator, like my ultimate uh, respect of you, right, as a warrior that, uh, you know, that you lost. But this is my final thing. And that was the Native character, right? So the fact that Prey comes along here, you know, some 30 years later. I was, I, I've just, you know, I was like, and using that lore from the original movie, I've been, that's why I think I was even more excited when it was coming out, just to be able to be like, yep, nope, I've been saved. this is awesome, this is the best, this, I've been saying this, because he talks about it, so it, it's great, and I think there, there always is that intersection, especially when folks do it right, you know, um, and, and Hollywood comes in and actually talks to our peoples, and like, asks the questions, because we're all, we're also nerds, we like this stuff too, so... Well, we can't, we cannot ignore the contributions of the late Sonny Landham in that original Predator movie. Native actor was such a big part of that film for for sure. Just uh, brings back so many great memories of my childhood, and I'm sure yours as well, Lee. And we've got a caller on the line now, Lawrence, listening on KUNM in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Lawrence, hello. Hello, this is Lawrence. Hello, Lawrence. What's on your mind? Yes. Uh, I couldn't quite hear you there. What's that? I was just asking what's what's on your mind. Thanks for calling in. Okay. Well, uh, the reason I called is because I got to go to that premiere. Uh, hello to Dr. Kate and, and people from the language uh, council there. Uh, we got to go to the premiere, my wife and I, Mary Wiaki, and uh, she's a fluent speaker, but I'm not. And so to hear some of the words that I could recognize was good for me. And it, it helped me to, uh, this movie helped me to realize I need to get more immersed in the, the language. And uh, I like hearing that, that there's going to be some online 
stuff like uh, like they're talking about to to help us who want to get more immersed. Because uh, living out here in New Mexico, uh, I think there's only well, there's about 600 Comanches that that we know of around here, but we don't get together that often. We just well, we are going to get together tonight to see the movie Prey again, but uh, we don't get together that often. So anyway, that's big stimulus for me to get more immersed in the language. Lawrence, I'm really glad you called in, and I'm really happy to hear that this film has, has galvanized your interest in learning more about the Comanche language. And your wife, Mary Wiaki, know her well. She's been a guest on Native America Calling several times, so really appreciate your input today. Uh, we've got another uh, another guest on our show. Uh, he's the, our resident film critic. His name is Vincent Schilling. He's an editor of NativeViewpoint.com, a certified Rotten Tomatoes critic, and he's also a familiar voice here on Native America Calling. He is Aquasasne Mohawk, and he's speaking with us from New York. Vince, we need to put you on the payroll, buddy. Welcome back. <laughs> hey, thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, ex- I'm just, there's so many reasons to be excited about this film. So many reasons. Well, you wrote a glowing review of Prey on your website, best Predator movie ever. That's a bold statement, buddy. Tell us what you love most about the film. Well, I just, uh, it started when, you know, the, I don't know what the Predator was doing, uh, but he did like this weird, like, like overview of, of all the weapons that are around him and then almost kind of like does a similar like, like thing and starts shooting similar stuff around. You know, I don't want to do too many spoilers, but I I was on the edge of my seat by that point and just going, holy cow, you know, and and then seeing, you know, Amber Mid-Thunder as Nehru's like fly through these, you know, canyons of water and, and, and I was just like, you know, this could be the next Disney's log ride upgrade, you know, and she was cracking. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, uh, I just, I just loved the film, you know, just, I, I just loved it and I really do feel it was the best Predator ever. He, he he seems even um, even he's got some uh, you know modifications of of how a predator might be three hundred years ago. It's just it was just a, a great great film. We've talked about uh, native actors before, uh, female actors being real BAs. We talked about a reality show a while back that had a really tough character, a female native character, and um, but Amber in this role, I mean, she's just like the ultimate BA, is she not? Yes, I, I I called her the teenage mutant native turtle, and she was cracking up. It's <laughs> like, wow, you were just really holding your own in there because that was that was some tough choreography, and and wow, she really just held her own. And I I, I was just like, you you really really did. She just and it was a lot of work. They went on at this you know four week boot camp before the the movie even started, and I felt as though you know taking the the uh, hatch it in the way she did and handling it, she just, she just handled it, you know, and I, I feel as though as a female protagonist, she really uh, is is kind of setting herself as, you know, a, a real true uh, bad a, at, at, you know, just she, just she just really, really, really kicked tail and, and, and held her own in, in a phenomenal way. So great she- job, Amber. She really did, and and I asked her when I talked to her. I asked her if she had spent like three months living in one of those hipster 
uh, axe throwing bars to to get ready for the movie and learn all those moves <laughs> she had because she was so slick. And I, I want to bring Lee back into the conversation. And and Lee, speaking of 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 native female um, leaders and these these high profile action stars and these these strong native female characters, are we seeing an increased trend in that in movies and TV right now? I believe so. And I think it's one of the things that's absolutely phenomenal to be seen with Native women with agency and not on behalf of like manifest destiny or Western society. Because one of the things that we, that, that, that if you look at a lot of the pop culture stuff that came out, you know, prior to this, let's say decade, right? And, you know, maybe in the last 20 years, but, you know, certainly the last century, a lot of the stuff that was coming out really featured two women primarily, Pocahontas and Sacagawea, well, both of those acted on behalf of Americana, right? So the American expansionism, et, et cetera. What we're seeing now is Native women, young women, like our elder women, like every this spectrum of Native women being BAs, right? Being amazing and having agency on behalf of their people, not on an outside group, Right, so not on a, a Western, you know, manifest destiny expansionist colonial power, and I think that's really key in terms of the direction that we're going and the uh, the creativity that's now coming out of something like this. Right, like to see this for you know characters that are kind of creeping in. And one thing I wanted to mention about the language thing is that's also something that's really becoming uh, really essential a lot in pop culture as well. Um, you know, we, we have this in, you know, the, the Comanche translation, right? And the translation, the Comanche language with the American translation, let's position it right, um, you know, in, in language, it's very similar to what we saw with when they did Westworld um, in Lakota. You know, I think that was, what, four or three years ago, season two, if I recall correctly. And you had the episode that was like 80%, you know, and subtitled. And for me, these moments when we have heritage language and traditional language also are pointing this pathway to saying that these are important. These are not just, you know, we're not relics of the past, even though this movie takes place in the past. It can also take place in the future. It ties those futurisms together because the predator's coming from this other dimension, this other galaxy, this other universe, whatever, right, from space. So here it comes in, and here you have this, and it's, it's these great unifications that provide this direction. It's what we talk about with indigenous futurisms. It's why we do so much in, in you know, in native pop culture is to say, like, there is a direction that's not pointing us towards the past anymore. It's pointing us towards the future. And we're at the front of that future. Well, let's go back to, to Vince. And, you know, Vince, I, I want to ask you because uh, your thoughts in terms of what it says about how far we've come here, here we're hearing all these glowing, glowing experiences of people from the Comanche Nation who worked on this film and and how hard that crew and cast worked to get the Native representation right. And and yet it was only a few years ago we had people walking off the set of that movie, The Ridiculous Six. I mean, Vince, we're making progress here, buddy. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was the journalist who broke that story. You know, I got uh, my, my wife and I got a call from Lauren Anthony and the middle of the night and I worked on that all night long to say oh my gosh and the story just went you know bonkers you know it ended up on the view they had done video and just because of the profound disrespect prayed to, you know you know um uh directed towards the Comanche people and then here we have Prey, which was it started out with you know Comanche 
Citizen Jane Myers as a producer to say, hey, you know what? The Comanche language is going to be integral. And then you have all of these things happening that aren't stereotypes. The incredible love of Dakota Beaver that is the brother, Tabe, to, towards his sister, you know, Amber Naru. And it just, this this embrace of Comanche culture. And I remember seeing, you know, these guys are wearing these, you know, headpieces and things like that. And I thought of an old Western where the native guy had that same headpiece that, you know, on on the back of his neck, and it was an ostrich, you know, thing, wearing it wrong. So it's just we have come so far, and we still have you know ways to go. But something like this is is just is profoundly um, um, reassuring that uh, you know we are continuing to head in in good direction, and it's just it's just really really it's it's wonderful. Vince, I think one of the next steps that a lot of people are looking at is um, looking at actors and with regard to whether or not they're specific to the tribes of the characters that they play. And I know that's been one of the criticisms of Dark Winds, that the lead actors are not Navajo. And um, how far do you think we need to go in terms of making sure that the actors that play characters in movies are actually from those tribes? I get I get both sides of the story, you know, both sides of the story. You know, I understand people like want things legitimate in terms of, of, uh, you know, the, the specific language and this and that. And then, and then part of me is, is, you know, I was a theater arts major and I think, you know, you know, what if I was to play a guy with a broken leg, you know, and, 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 you know, do I have to break my leg? And, and I'm certainly not comparing native culture to, to a broken leg or something like that, but I'm just, I think, I think there's some essence of as an actor, you want to play something other than yourself. So it, it, it's tough. Um, I think both sides have valid, valid points. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, um, does Alakwa Cox have to be an actual superhero before she can play a superhero? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you know, where, where do we draw? And it's, it's not easy. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's certainly a gray area. You know, and I don't want to discount anyone's feelings on either side. But, um, you know, so I think we really need to ask ourselves, what is the world of uh, of acting, you know, and how far do we have to go? You know, um, certainly it's good to represent all all things. But then again, can someone who's not Native at all play a Native person? And then that's where we get back into the, the Westerns of, you know, the 70s, 60s and 70s, you know. So, um I think we need to to practice some bit of respect. Well, that's all the time we have for our show today. I want to thank all of our guests. We had a caller as well. Appreciate you all, the actors that we uh, were able to interview for the movie as well. Appreciate everybody who was able to participate in our show today. Uh, wonderful conversation, wonderful discussion about the movie Prey, the latest installment in the Predator franchise. Join us next week for another lineup of engaging shows about indigenous topics and issues. Until then, I'm Sean Spruce, your, your host. Have a safe weekend. Support by the Institute of American Indian Arts, the birthplace of contemporary indigenous American art, and the educational home for esteemed and innovative artists, writers, filmmakers, performers, and leaders, making history since 1962. Accredited by the Higher Learning Commission, IAIA offers undergraduate degrees, graduate degrees, and certificates. Info on IAIA's 60th and the IAIA Museum of Contemporary Native Arts 50th anniversaries at iaia.edu. Cachet, first baby, 
Don't know where to start? CMS programs cover prenatal services. Enroll today. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information. Visit healthcare.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Elahqua. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.